and grace was given to me to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Wow, I think we've just sung and experienced the preach. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Let's just keep in the presence of God as we just look at his word together. Wow. I just read some of the truths that we've been covering as we've been going through Ephesians. Those marvelous truths that, uh, that we've been chosen, we've been adopted as sons, that we are um, um, uh, predestined to be holy and blameless in his sight, that we're seated in heavenly places. In Christ, we have every, every spiritual blessing. So, so much. And chapter 2 ends with this phrase, and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Then, so Paul then goes on, because of all this that's gone before in chapter 1, he, in chapter 3, he says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. And then he almost he gets carried away. It's like he's at really on his way to his, his thought process is on the way to chapter uh, to verse 14. He carries it on for this reason. So he's just said, and in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. For this reason, I kneel before the father from whom the whole family in heaven on earth derives its name and then comes this glorious prayer in chapter 14 in verse 14 onwards but that's tim's privilege to uh to i think it's tim's privilege to share that with you and to take a look at that in more detail next week but it's like paul saying i've already said so much in chapter you would have thought that you know after the glories of chapter one and two that he'd have said it all but he said i've still got some more to say before i go on and pray for you i've got some more to say so surely you have heard about the administration of god's grace that was given to me for you for that that is the mystery made known to me by revelation as i've already written briefly In reading this, then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Now... As you have probably noticed, the mystery, the word mystery, comes in there quite a lot. And, you know, sort of in our normal terms, it tends to mean of something that you'll, you'll never find out. You know, like the mystery of the Marie Celeste or the mystery of the Bermuda Triangle. You know, these things that you'll never find out. There's no explanation for. Whereas in the New Testament, it's used far more in mystery and revelation. 
So when you, it's, so it's saying that mystery is of a truth revealed. And it implies the need of revelation, but it has happened. So this mystery is no longer a mystery. I mean, I think we're unpacking it more, but it's, 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 there's been the revelation. And some translations actually use the word plan to show the de- sort of the de- more definite nation, because definite uh, nature of this, because it's easy to think a mystery is something a bit airy-fairy, a bit unreal. When, when God resi- reveals mystery, he's revealing truth about himself, about you, about the world. And it's a revelation of his plan. So um, he, t- he says, um, the mystery made, my, um, as I have already written to you briefly, Well, I actually think that what he's referring to is the whole of chapter 1 and 2. He's been talking about this mystery, you know, how we're seated in heavenly places, all these glorious truths. You know, we've been adopted a son, we've been freely forgiven, all these glorious truths. But he does actually say in in chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and earth together under one head, even Christ. Get this amazing lordship of Christ. Now, in some ways, it's easy. You know, I think if you were not a Christian, it's easy to think, oh, well, like almost Jesus is this great egotistic being who just wants everything to be praising him. It's actually that bringing all things um, together under Jesus is the best way that this can possibly work. It is the absolute culmination of, 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 of how the world was created and, and how it was made to be. And Colossians 1, 16 to 20 says, it explains this a little bit more. It starts by saying, for in him... All things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So this is even saying things like, you know, I think this includes things like government as well as, as, you know, the sort of less tangible things. You know, it includes creation, it includes spiritual beings in the heavenly places, it includes us, you know, it includes the physical realm, but it's including all things. And it becomes clearer in verse 17. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy And then this bit in verse 19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. That is why when everything is coming together under Christ, it's got the fullness of God in it. We're not just talking about Christ, we're talking the fullness, everything coming into the fullness of the deity of the Godhead. Um, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And uh, 
you know, it says the reconciliation of all things. And, and us as humans, we have need of reconciliation. That means, you know, bringing back, you know, you're trying to reconcile two parties that are far away or that, you know, a broken relationship. And there's four main ways that, you know, four main relationships that uh, God, that Jesus reconciles. We have our relationship with God. Obviously, we're designed to be in relationship with God. But we're designed to be in relationship with one another. And I think that includes, you know, our, our very sort of personal you know, uh, relationships with people we know. But also it includes um, worldwide relationships like economics, like politics, that these things are meant to be reconciled in Christ. And then um, obviously we have, uh, you know, um, Adam was given um, a relationship with, with creation, and we can see, uh, you know, some of the things that happen to our creation of, of you know, polluted um, rivers, etc. That, we, you know, we haven't been in good relationship with our creation. But God comes to reconcile all things. And finally, the, the relationship of you with yourself, which always sounds a bit strange. But it's like your self-worth, your, 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 your self-talk. You know, how do you relate, you know, it's like shame. God came to banish shame. Yeah, he came to, to make us whole within ourselves. So going on. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has, as it has now been revealed by the apostles and prophets. This is the mystery that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. So when it's talking, I always think it's a strange phase. The administrators, if I got there yet. Nope, wait a minute, a bit later on that one. Okay, so this mystery, it's almost like you would have thought, you know, in chapter 2, Paul's done a pretty comprehensive thing of showing that the, the Gentiles are equal with the, with, you know, are, are part of God's body. He's, you know, he's already called them, um, you know, he said he's creating in himself one new people from the two groups, one new man. I always just, that almost speaks to me of almost like um, a conception, you know, when the DNA comes together. You can't actually tell the difference. You know, when the new cell, you can't actually tell the difference. The, the, the DNA, DNA is all then mixed up. It's this creating of a, of a new man, that they're fellow citizens with God's people, that they're members of his household. Doesn't that speak of relationship and protection? You just think of a Roman household. The, the dad was the, the patriarch. He had this patriarch and, and, and his, he, you know, he provided provision and safety and security. Um, they've been told they've been built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You'd have thought that the Gentile, you know, that in a way the Gentiles, that's us, by the way. Isn't that amazing? This is us. You know, that we have, in a way, we just take it for granted, don't we, that we have these things. But for them, it was an incredible, you know, for them, the promises of God had been for the Jews. And now these promises were coming to people who weren't Jews. And it's almost like the Gentiles, it was almost like Paul thought, I cannot let you miss this because of what you perceive yourself to be. 
And God will not let us, you know, God does not want us to miss what he's saying because of what we perceive ourselves to be. He's saying that we are, all this fullness is for all of us. You know, it's not like there's, um, you know, so, so that you can imagine, you know, the Gentiles almost thinking, oh, in the, or maybe the Jews even saying, oh, you know, we're the, we're the Jewish Christians and we've got all the promises of God. And the Gentiles thinking, oh, maybe you have, you know, and maybe I haven't. But, if, you know, it's not like leaders have one, one sort of grace of God, one fullness, and non-leaders have another. You know, there, it's not like men have one fullness and women have another. That we, you know, God doesn't want you to miss out on any label that you put on yourself. That he, you, he doesn't want you to miss out on the fullness of what God has for you. You know, that they are heirs together. We are heirs of the promise of Christ Jesus. And you just think of some of the um, actual uh, Old Testament promises that they've inherited, plus the ones of Jesus. So I will be your God and you will be my people. And and it is actually put in that way. I will be your God and you will be my people. Until God is God, we can't be his people. It's not like if you choose me, you will be my people. It's not like we can do the thing first. Sorry, well, we do have, we do choose God, but it's only because he's chosen us in the first place. Um, for those of you who weren't there two, I should have actually have the slide up, but two Sundays ago, David did a wonderful bit, a wonderful preach and, uh, um, David Carter and, and he did this thing of, of prophetic geometry or prophetic pie charts, um, took, took illustrate. So anyway, he had a pie chart. You know, a circle, and you know, when you have them divided in, and the two colors, the two things were yellow for what God has done for our salvation, and blue for what we have done to, to get our salvation. And guess what the pie chart looked like? It was all yellow, yes. So, uh, we are heirs. So, so God is our God. He is God first. And then we are His people because He woos us, because He draws us close. So, I will be your God. You will be my people. I will bless you. And through you, the nations will be blessed. That was always God's heart. And we've been talking so much about, you know, overflowing out from here. The wine is, is meant to, um, affect, um, not just here. It's meant to affect, uh, Gravesham and the communities that you live in. So, um, going on to Ephesians uh, a little bit later. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Wow, just amazing things. I'm just going to backtrack a little bit to... This grace was given me. Oh, no. First of all, it says God's grace given to me through the working of his power. It's not unusual to find grace and power in the same verses in the Bible, in the New Testament. 
that they are two things that go together. And then this grace was given me to preach. That grace, you know, it's, I don't know if you when you know, either in Sunday school or when you were first a Christian, <clears throat> you know, grace, I couldn't really remember. I became a Christian at 17 from a completely non-Christian background. And I honestly thought grace had something to do with being like a ballerina, you know, because it's not a word that is used in this way in, in non-Christian circles. Um, I also thought that, that Timothy was actually Paul's physical son because it said so. So, you know, there was lots of things I just, hey, just take them. That's my understanding. Um, but <clears throat> grace is God's unmerited love. Grace is God's unmerited, undeserved love. But it's more than that. Grace is empowering. If you actually look here, it says grace was given me. So God's unmerited, God's undeserved love enabled me to preach. So grace is empowering and active. It's not just, you know, it's great. We do find grace just in God's love and in those moments of intimacy, but it is also empowering and active. Okay, we'll get back to that in a minute. I'll carry on. So in Ephesians 1 verse 6, it says grace is freely given. Ephesians, so that's, that's how it's given. In Ephesians 2 verse 7, it says, it is by grace that you have been saved. That's God's grace enabling us to respond to him. We are only, only saved by what Jesus has done and by his enabling us to actually come and, and see that. In Romans 12, um, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So he's talking about prophecy and leadership and administration and serving. And those are, that's, so it shows that grace is meant to be um, enabling, empowering. Um, and then in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, it says, No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. So Paul's saying grace worked within me. And this isn't anything to do with Paul working for his salvation, you know, or working to earn, um, pleasure, you know, God's pleasure. This is actually that grace working in him enabled him to do what he did. And, and it's just part of, um, that the grace gives you what you need. Um, in Jonah 2 verse 8, actually I'll just do one more. Uh, of the, the, in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 8, it says, See also that you excel in this grace of giving, that grace empowers you to give as well. It's never meant to be this passive thing. And a few weeks ago, <clears throat> I was um, reading Jonah. And it's not a book I often read. Um, it was part, uh, I actually teach the Bible bit of the um, uh, daytime school of supernatural life. And they were reading through, well, they were reading through. And I thought, I want to read through um, some of these books surrounding the books that they are reading. And I was reading through Jonah. And you know how God can sometimes just take a, a passage um, really unexpectedly or one verse and just make it stand out to you? So 
This was Jonah 2 verse 8. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. And I thought, I know I don't, um, you know, I'm not into idol worship, but idol worship is talking about relying on something other than God. And I thought, I know I don't, you know, worship idols, but I do rely on things that are other than God, you know, myself or, you know, try and get through a situation in your own, in your own state, under your own steam. I thought, God, I don't want ever to miss out. There is a grace. Have you ever seen somebody going through a difficulty, uh, you know, something in their lives and you think, how on earth do they do that? It's because God has given them a grace, an empowering um, ability to do that in his love. And it's linked with his love. But actual fact, you have to appropriate, you have to take hold of this grace. It's not like, you know, you, you, you know, you have, we do have choice. And uh, I thought, yeah, and, and just there was something came up the next day. And I, I, I wanted to react in a certain way kind of thing. And I thought, oh, Actually, I've got grace. I've got, you know, I said, God, I want that grace to, to now in this moment. It wasn't a big thing. It was quite a small thing. Um, I want your grace. Uh, I want to take hold of that grace. There's a power available to me to act in a different way. Or um, also one of the things is, you know, quite, I say I'm one of the leaders of the, of the um, school of supernatural um, life. And, and I love it. I really love it. It's such a privilege to, to be part of, of that and, and uh, to go on the journey with, with our students. Um, but every so, well, it's, yeah, every so often, and you know, when I'm standing here or whatever, I feel like you know, the voice comes, who are you to be doing that? Who are you to be doing that? You know, Pete's been a leader for 26 years in the church, you know, David's been a leader for 20 years or, you know, in, in churches, you know, who am I to be doing this? And God just reminded, he said, because I've called you to do it. And with calling comes enabling. And I thought, yes. And I want to take hold of the grace that God gives me to be able to live my life um, as, as, as he wants and God wants you to take hold of the grace for any situation you know there here it says grace so it could be grace in a difficult situation but it could be it can be grace to move out in spiritual gifts move out in in serving those are what those are what it says in Romans 12 we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us so grace is active and empowering. Going on. Although I am the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration which was made, which for ages was past was kept hidden in God who created all things. Administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. I thought you can't go past a phrase like the boundless riches of Christ without looking at it. You know, it's just it's just too big an invitation. In some um, versions, it says the unfathomable um, riches of Christ. Um, others, it says unsearchable. And in others, it says the endless treasures of Christ. 
And as I say, I've talked about, you know, the endless treasures have been listed um, before in chapters 1 and 2. So I thought, well, shall I go to a, a concordance you know, um, and look this up for, for more. And I thought, well, I think, you know, really, we have covered it in chapter one and two. But I thought, well, how, how much has this actually, you know, um, in, how much of, is this actually in the church? And the church is much more than, than us here, as in, I mean, I'm talking about NKCC church here, not the church worldwide. But there's this church down, happening downstairs with our, our young people, our children, so, so I emailed a couple of uh, some parents and I said, could you just ask your children or your young person, what is the, what does the, what are the endless riches in Christ? Now it turns out that five-year-olds take this pretty literally. So <clears throat> endless treasure is when there is a pile of gold and jewelry that is massive. And when you take out, take some out, more comes in its space and it's really cool. <laughs> So this was one of our five-year-olds. And I thought, actually, this actually gave me real insight into the riches of Christ. Because I just thought, wow, you know, the more God blesses you, or, you know, the more God blesses us, the more healings we see, the more it's filled up with more healings that are available. You know, or the more prophetic words we get, the more the prophetic words there are available, or the more provision we get, the more provision, the, the more provision is available. I just thought, I loved that. I also think it helps us actually process, um, when, you know, Pete often says about processing things corporately, that, uh, that, you know, if, if we've got the, 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 the prophet out the front, they're, you know, they're calling out words of knowledge or, you know, or, um, or prophetic words over people and you're thinking, well, you're, depending on how, you know, your, your personality, you're thinking, don't pick me, don't pick me, or, or you're thinking, pick me, pick me, pick me. Um, you know, and if you're the ones of the pick me, pick me kind of variety, um, and then it goes, to, you know, and, and the people around you get picked and you don't, and you could think, oh, but, Paul, but you know, Pete says process these corporately, that these these things are wider, you know, they, they are for individuals, but they're part of blessing the body, and you think, wow, one prophetic word's just gone out, but there's more coming in its 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 place. Then going on to a seven-year-old. Well, seven-year-olds come up with some very interesting metaphors. The boundless rich, uh, the endless treasure is soft like a kitten and makes you happy. It is really awesome. And I, I thought this little one has been asked to talk about, think about the endless riches in Christ. And she's thinking of safety, of intimacy, of, you know, there's nothing less fearsome really is there than a kitten you know, of, of, you know, feeling that, um, you know, I thought it, it speaks to me of the approachableness of, you know, when you get that, that, um, I just call it that soft blanket hug of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, I really liked that one. And then one of our, our young men, um, so he's asked to think about the unsearchable riches of Christ. And his first one, the first thing that came into his mind was freedom. God has a plan, but he gives you freedom in it too. He hasn't created robots. I think, I think he's about year eight. I don't know. I can't quite remember ages. But this young guy, he's already sort of wrestling with the truths of God. You know, there's, there's the plan of God and there's our freedom. 
And yet he knows he's, he's just happy to live in both of them. Uh, and I just think that is really, really great. Um, yeah, he's beginning, he knows his identity. And then his second one, so the unsearchable riches of Christ, to be like Jesus, do things Jesus did, like healing. That's his expectation. That's his expectation. And then, you know, the riches of Christ. This young guy knows God's infinite, everlasting love. And apparently he was chatting through these things with his mum. And then he went away, you know, completely not realizing he was doing it. He talked about these unsearchable riches of Christ without realizing he was doing it. He walked away and he's just singing praise to God. So, uh, yeah. And then some of our young ladies came up with, <clears throat> I don't know if it was one or two. Anyway, the unsearchable riches of Christ, good things that you get from being a Christian, your relationship with God being with Jesus, eternity, forgiveness, the Father's love, you are never alone, and endless joy. You know, we could almost, you know, in the, in the Psalms when it says sailor, you know, it means have a pause and think about this one. Just think of some of the, I'll just read them out again. Just let God feed your spirit. So, unsearchable riches of Christ, freedom. God has a plan, but he gives you freedom in it too. He hasn't created robots. To be like Jesus, do things Jesus did, like healing. God's infinite, everlasting love. Your relationship with God. Being with Jesus. Eternity, forgiveness, the Father's love. You are never alone and endless joy. Wow, seems pretty, pretty good, pretty good to me. So... Paul, going back to verse 9, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. I always think that's a very, you know, I've always sort of puzzled this. And I just, I mean, anyway, the way I think about it is I'm just going to let you in on how this this grace, how this um, all things coming under Christ um, works on the ground. That's my interpretation of that. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Quite amazing, isn't it? It, When you you think of all things coming under Christ, um, and, you know, years ago, I would think about it would all be the end times and it would all happen sort of, you know, people would see this amazing vision, you know, Christ coming in the clouds, except we'd all be able to see him at the same time all around the world and people will fall on their knees and worship. Now, that may well be part of it, but I actually think there's a whole new thing of, of you know, and that's when all things would come under Christ. Kind of, you know, things would probably get worse or worse and worse before that happened. But here it says his intent was now that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. This is and I think anything made known in the heavenly realms is reflected on earth. So I think it's two levels. I actually think one level is the, real, is the amazing thing that it's by grace, not by works, that we've been saved. Because you imagine, so let's just look at this one. 
In 1 Corinthians 1, 28, God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness and our redemption. So the wisdom of God is actually that Jesus is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. And before the cross, I was, you know, I just think that, the, or, or I don't know how you think outside of time, but anyway, that, um, you know, principalities and powers, you know, they're saying, oh, you know, that one will never make it. There's no way they can ever live up to it. You know, whoa, they're ours, you know. And then the cross, at the cross, Jesus is our righteousness. Jesus is our holiness. He's our redemption. He's our forgiveness. And they are completely disarmed. They cannot make an accusation. You know, suddenly it's God saying, it's all right, because Jesus has done it. And, and what I think, uh, to me, what happens in the heavenly places is that the, 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 you know, sort of demonic forces are just sort of gnashing their teeth, you know, just completely frustrated. And angels are worshipping and heavenly beings are worshipping God saying, wow, what an amazing way to do this thing. You know, God, who'd have thought it, what an amazing way. So I do think that the wisdom of God is shown in the heavenly places. But wisdom in the Bible is intensely practical. When you read um, um, Proverbs and and other bits of of, um, the Bible, wisdom is really practical. It's not sort of, you know, Confucius, he say, and some incredibly wise saying or something. You know, it, it is how to live life well. God wants us to know how to live life well for ourselves and be able to impart that to others. You know, that can be things like family relationships in the workplace, business, medicine, science, government, education, media, etc. And really, you get this in Ephesians. Because you've got chapters 1 to 3 are setting out these wonderful truths that they aren't the, you know, the, the sort of like the bedrock of our faith. These wonderful truths. And chapters 4 to 6 are really the unpacking of, of, of how to live life well. There's lots in there about, you know, how we do things. So God has, has enabled us. When we, t- when we think, when we're talking about grace enabling us, it is really strongly part of this, this manifold wisdom. The manifold means multifaceted or multicolored. You know, it's almost like, um, you know, a diamond where it's, you know, it, 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 it affects, um, I have a big glass, uh, cut thing. It looks like a diamond, but it's massive. And when the sun shines on it, you get rainbows all around the room, little rainbows all around the room. And you just think of, and it's just such a picture of, of God affecting things, all the, the wisdom of God affects things all the way around it. And we are meant to affect every area. And, uh, I hope this is then, all right, yep. Just to give you a brief update on Hope Community School. This is not the only way of education, of affecting education. I applaud all of you guys who are, you know, who are governors, teachers, um, who work in schools in any capacity. 
but we are doing, we are setting up, we are making in the process of making a bid. So we have got our literature. You'll see we've got literature there. We've actually got two of these banners. We've got balloons. We've got wonderful blue hoodies. Um, and, um, we now have, um, uh, volunteers starting last Saturday our first volunteer went, goes, went out on the street and we've got people putting in lots of hours doing this to get um, to get signatures to show that the people want to come to our type of school so this week Val's been out on the streets in Gravesend and Trish and I have been to toddler groups and, uh, and, um, and then the school have really the um, the daytime school have really got on board and I think we actually had 24 of them out on Friday either delivering leaflets or um, knocking on doors or out in the town and the one hour or sort of the hour and a half that we were out was the hour that it was sort of torrential rain what really amazed me even in torrential rain in Gravesend in the hour we got eight, eight parents saying that they would what they wanted to put our school first we told them about the ethos of the school and it's really quite it's really great that when parents hear about the christian ethos nine times out of ten it's wow they want it they want the christian ethos so the great news is by now we're one week in and we have now got 30 signatures so that's good If any of you still want to be on board with volunteering, do come and see me or Val over there in the yellow, mustardy colour. Um, so, you know, even if it's just dropping bundles of flyers into nurseries, because uh, a lot of the nurseries, you know, mums pick up their, their children all the time, coming and going. They're open from eight till six, but they all want flight. They said, no, give us 200 flight, you know, 200 Parents, they've got in one, covering one nursery, give us flyers and we'll put them in the ch children's trays and make sure that they get them. So amazing things um, happening there. But this manifold wisdom of God is how is God giving you wisdom to live life well, that we actually affect, you know, we do business well. Um, you, you know, we do, we do um, uh, medicine and caring well, all these things. And then... In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Uh, sometimes I do in my quiet times. I know it's, I sort of, I'm, if you notice, I'm quite a active kind of person. And, uh, and sometimes I will literally show God that I'm approaching him with confidence. And I literally sort of stride across the sitting room and say, God, I want so-and-so or God, because it says it's a throne of grace and mercy in Hebrews uh, 4.16. Uh, sometimes, God, I really need your mercy here because I need forgiveness. Uh, you know, whatever it is, you can approach God with freedom and with confidence. And then I just think, you know, finish the, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. Paul started the chapter saying, I'm in prison because of you. And then he just expands all these riches, all these amazing truths. And he says, you know, this is nothing compared, you know, this is, the, this is the mission I'm on. This is for your glory. So let's, how do we land this one? Let's just stand and let's pray. Just think. I want you to think or sit if you're happier praying sitting. 
But I want you to think of this, that, that grace is empowering. And think of one area, or maybe more than one area. Just think, you know, oh, it might be, you know, a difficult situation. Like grace to know how to bring up your teenagers or your two-year-old. Or it might, or, you know, one that you need help on. Or it might be, um, you know, grace to live through a certain circumstance that's in your life at the moment. But it might be, God, I want grace to step out into the prophetic. Or, God, I just, I'm going to step into your grace for this. You know, for, for, for going for this. Just think of it and, and, and step into Say, yep, God, I don't want to do this in my own way. I want to do it in your way, knowing you're empowering. Yeah, Father, thank you. Jesus, that you are bringing all things in heaven and on earth together in unity in you, that you are the way that things work best. Thank you for your amazing love and your empowering grace for us. And Lord, we want to take your grace, take this, this, this love and this uh, grace that activates us, that empowers us, that enables us, that you will give us wisdom to live life well, to step out into new things, that your multifaceted, your rainbow-colored wisdom in all its different ways will be shown Um, Not just amongst us as a church community, but in the communities that we live in and that we affect. Thank you, Lord. Amen.